You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 312. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is bookkeeping software for creatives and small business owners that want to enjoy their software as much as every other aspect of their business. I never thought I'd like bookkeeping, but I can say going in there is so simple and makes it a breeze. So I do enjoy doing it because when I go there, I know that it's going to look like my own website based on the color story that I get to pick and choose for the back end. And also I can make sure that my team is able to access it. So the accountant, a bookkeeper, et cetera, et cetera. My other team as well can also have limited login so they don't have to see all of the financials for every single business we have. They can also just go in and see exactly what they need to do, whether that's tracking their time for a certain project or what have you. If you want to try it for free for 30 days and see if you like it as much as I do, head over to freshbooks.com lively and enter the code Jess Lively or the words The Lively Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Next up, we also have another sponsor, Interior Define. Interior Define is my best approximation in the U.S. for that modern Scandinavian and Australian design in the U.S. that you can order online in order to get fabric swatches or you can go live to a showroom to see their awesome furniture. The furniture has extreme quality, which is really important to me when it comes to things like this, but also has that look that's so hard to get in the U.S. It's really modern and leading edge and not necessarily based on the historical lines of the past. America has a lot of vintage inspired stuff, which is fine. But for me, with my taste coming back from Australia, I really wanted to find something that had a fresh, new, forward thinking vibe. And that's where I found it at Interior Define. I have the Harper bed and I got to choose the fabric and legs to match my furniture from Australia. And I also got the kit dining chair for the Detroit condo that I have. And I love that I was able to order the samples online because the fabric swatches in the screen are pretty good, but seeing them in person is always better before you make big investment pieces. And also being able to go into the showroom was really nice as well. They have showrooms in Chicago, New York, Austin, Boston, LA, and San Francisco. So if you wanna try it, Check it out over at interiordefined.com. All right, guys, this episode, this episode, this episode, this episode, this episode. No, it's not channeled from me. This is going to be Jess in the mind, but it is so cool to be able to unearth my spidey skills as an interviewer in season seven, but I'll be interviewing a non-physical group that calls themselves The Collective. I met the collective through the channel you're going to hear speaking the literal words. Her name is Annie Francoeur. Now, she speaks French and is from Quebec, Canada. So I, as the American that took Spanish, have very little ability to say the accents to things that Annie's, for example, like Annie's last name, Francoeur, Francoeur. I'm not, I don't have that in my tongue. It doesn't move in that direction. But you can check out Annie's website at A-F-R-A-N. C-O-E-U-R.com. If you want to, after you listen to this, you may be interested in learning more about Annie. She has channeled the collective during a client session with me over the summer or winter in Australia. So sometime in like June or July, we started working together through a deep inner voice session. And I love the inner voice sessions and everybody has a different level and ability they can tap into. Annie 
<laughs> straight up channeling a la Esther Hicks with Abraham Hicks, only instead of Abraham coming through, it's the collective. So in this episode, you get to know the collective. I'll explain or have them explain how they would define themselves differently or similarly to some entity like an Abraham Hicks, in case you're familiar with that type of channeling. And we go into all of the possible questions so far just to get started, just scratching the surface that I can ask them about this level of reality and what it's all about. And can I tell you of all the interviews I have ever done, now we're at 312 episodes and probably 100 at least, maybe 150, yeah, probably about 100 have been thought leaders. We've had really big names here on the show in the past when I was more interested in thought leading mental beings here on the planet. But as you guys know, season seven, we're going beyond the mind. Therefore, we're going to interview points of view and consciousness beyond the mind. This interview of all the interviews I've ever done slash like almost anything I've ever even listened to. And I have gone deep in so many channeled works in the last three or four years. This interview explains more about the duality of unity and individuality of consciousness on this plane more than any other channel or point of view I've ever heard before. I hope it blows you away as much as it did me and Claire, our copywriter, she listened to this as so she was the first listener to this interview. And I said, tell me what you think when you listen. And I really want to hear your point of view, because for me, I was so blown away that I personally changed my perception of reality based on having the conversation. So it's very curious for her to listen into it and see what she got from it. And she wrote me back in all caps on Slack, blown away. So I wonder what it will feel like for you. This is just incredible to me, the level of the experience people are having from my little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo channeled session so far for you in episode 310 and 11. This one is just ratcheting it up even further. So if you're used to Esther and Jerry Hicks and Abraham and how they interplay, Jerry was the one that would ask questions, Esther would channel, and Abraham would come through. Now I get to play the Jerry role with Annie as channeling the collective, and we go together. We just have this beautiful experience. You'll notice also a lot of people say that they like my interpretations or analogies. That's what it is. People love my analogies that try to break things down in a simple way that's easy to understand what happened and you'll see in this episode. And I didn't expect that quite as much as what came through, but as they'd explain a concept in their own way, I would see it in my mind's eye in like another analogy. So you'll see there's so many ways to look and, and hold these concepts in your mind in a way that may make sense to you. So let's go to the show. So thank you very much for coming on the show today. What I used to ask all of my guests <laughs> in human form on the show thus far, I used to ask this question hundreds of times. How did you get to where you are? <laughs> are you asking the collective? Or yes, asking? I'm asking the collective. We have to say we never heard that from anyone. <laughs> so we'll be pleased to answer. We are an energy of teaching. So we came from source and we're just here very simply to guide those people who are interested in opening their hearts to their own possibilities, to what is there in their own life that they are not ready to see yet. And we came to this because we love so much humanity. We have never been into a body, but we are very close to souls who have been incarnated. We don't want this to be 
frightening for, let's say, people who are not used to that realm, but simply we're saying we are very fond of helping people realize their own power. We are not going to share power. That's not how it works. We are just taking the blinders off gently whenever people are ready. And we are here to offer guidelines, to answer questions, and also to bring forth some new material whenever the ground is ready. Oh, that's so beautiful. Why do you call yourselves the collective? It's simply a human understanding of a human label that we chose. First, to oblige the French speaking that is giving the channel, and then to make it less mind-boggling. We don't want to give names. We don't want to attach any label because it's all going back to source. It's all the same big pool of energy that is of the highest realm. It's a beautiful, pristine, loving energy that has been coming to the human plane from time to time and is here to teach. So Honestly, this is the name that fitted the most, the energy for now. That's beautiful. And I know that many people have heard me over previous seasons talk about Abraham Hicks. Now, I'm sure many questions in many minds are wondering, how are you as the collective similar or different than Abraham? It's not an easy answer for you, but it's an answer that is very easy for us. It's similar and different. We are the same love. We are the same source. We are different in the way that we do not have a recipe to offer you. Abraham Hicks, their teachings are very accurate. Their teachings are very precise. And there was a need for that. And it is offering a perspective that is, how could we say, it's easy to grasp in a sense for some people, And it's very clear. And the channel through which they come forth is amazingly loving and amazingly powerful in the engagement towards the followers, we would say. So this is a beautiful team. It's a beautiful teaching. And it's very much needed in our times here on Earth. We are different in the way that we are less structured we would say let's say if you want to have this as a graphic explanation you take a cylinder of energy coming down quote coming down from cosmos and you narrow this down and you focus it in a smaller cylinder and then a smaller one and then a smaller one and then you have the abraham hicks cylinder that is more focused the energy is very focused And it's easy to grasp from the human level. Our energy is less focused, it's wider, it's less structured, and it's maybe, we would like to say, more available to adaptation to any questions that we could receive or any form of inquiry from any humans. And this is very important. We are not limited to this one channel. We never were. We never will be. It's available to you, Jess, to anyone listening. Just call upon our presence and we will guide you. 
Beautiful. What you said about the focus and the cylinders made me think about what appeared in my mind was a waterfall and a stream and that the bigger force eventually becomes the stream and the, the narrower trickle. But the wider Niagara Falls, as an example, also is the water just at a higher place upstream than the narrower trickle downstream. And you have to remember the one drop that is falling from that waterfall, from the Niagara, from the sky, that one drop contains the same power, the same light, the same love as the full spectrum of the first level of the waterfall. Yes, as my inner voice told me the other day, no light shines above you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, so all the drops, whether it's like you said, the Niagara or the stream, they shine I can say for anyone listening to you, as you'll get to know the collective through these interviews or afternoon teas, as the collective calls them, my experience having a hot seat with Abraham and been able to speak to them. And if you're interested, you can search continual balancing on YouTube and you'll find that interview. It was fascinating, but kind of like being in the eye of a hurricane. <laughs> so I was quite calm, but the energy was quite intense. And when I got to know you, the collective, I feel much more at ease. I think it's also Annie's translation is so beautifully calm <laughs> and partially probably with the second language translation too. It's just so much easier to stay alert and aware with your energy, I can say personally, or maybe I've just had more time to talk with you than them. Uh, we would say it's very different in the feeling that the human body receives us than receives Abraham Hicks or receives Cryon or receives any other channeled energy. We all have a very peculiar way to be felt by the human body. And probably that the synchronicity of the waves that this being any and you are emanating is more in pair or in sync. And yes, the language is very simple, and that's what is required. And this is a hurdle that the human Annie is having. She's always thinking, oh my, I speak French, you know, how am I going to reach people? And it's on purpose, we have to say. <laughs> Why is it on purpose? Why did you pick her being a French speaker? Just to go beyond some mind rules that there is one language for a teaching we don't need language. This is what we want to convey. We were meant as consciousness, you, us, all forms. We were meant to sing, to vibrate. The words are a human construct, obviously. And this is a mind construct. So if we go back, we spoke a little bit earlier, you and us about a different time, a different era on this planet. There was no words. So we want to show you to offer this opening, consider this, how about you have no words and you still can convey your thoughts, you still can convey your energy, your feelings, your love, you know that. So everything is possible to be taught. We can teach you without words. We can offer answers to your questions without words. So we're simplifying and this is serving at the same time any to for her to rest assured that she's doing okay. And then showing people who are interested that there are many, many ways of conveying wisdom. Beautiful. So 
I have a question that someone has asked Annie to ask you. <laughs> so I think it's a really great premise to start with with you. And one of the things I'll just share is I've just loved and appreciate so much your visual examples you give to teaching. So anyways, that's just a personal thank you from my own time with you. One day I would love for us to discuss the diamond analogy you gave me because I've been using it in my life so many times. So far beyond when we initially spoke about it in that case and scenario. But for now, let's start with why are we humans so afraid and what can be done not to be afraid? Hmm. Fear. Fear is prevalent. Obviously, you know it, you see it, you hear about it, you read it. You even have movies keeping you in fear. You have dramas keeping you in fear. It's part of the current recipe, we would say. It's part of the collective consciousness that this world that you are living in for now has to have fear. It's part of it. It's like the sky and the ground and the water and the air and the fire. It's almost an element of your reality. And this has not been the case all of those eras that humanity spent on this planet. Fear, prevalent fear, has been part of this reality for some ten thousands of years. That's like the moment in time where it's at its thickest or most prevalent. But before that, we would go back in the times where people had many, many, many goddesses, gods. They were more bestial than human. They had a type of fear, but they did not have the same heaviness, prevalence of fear that you have today. And this is all part of the consciousness right now. We would have picked different words, but can we open up here? Yes. Actually, can I tell you what came to my mind as you were describing? Mm -hmm. Okay. What came to my mind as you said the recipe was it made me think about food and how we create different types of food over time. So Caesar salads weren't always a part of humanity. But since we've had Caesar salad in the current form of humanity, we've been putting croutons in the Caesar salad. <laughs> and so fear is like a crouton in the Caesar salad of humanity at this time. But eventually we'll decide to stop putting croutons in the salad or maybe the fat of Caesar salads won't be made in the future like they haggis is a very old food in scotland that still is used but may not always be eaten in the future it's fashionable we would say so we don't want to put the word fashionable onto fear but it's like you say it's it's part of an evolution for now let's say it's the caesar salad it'll be the risotto it'll be something else it'll be the lattes but what you have to understand is that fear is not an intrinsic part of the human experience. For now, it is an ingredient that everybody unconsciously agrees on having in their experiment. It's like, well, you can try this. Go to the neighbor and ask him, you know, what is your world without fear? And the neighbor will say, hmm, you know, it's hardly impossible. What am I without fear? What are you without fear? Oh, my goodness. It just came to me, by the way. So right now, our society maybe 
20 years ago, 40 years ago, would have said, how could you make bread without flour? Mm -hmm. Of course, you need to have flour to make bread. And now there's so many people out there saying I'm gluten free and vegan. <laughs> and the bread's getting better. It's at first, it wasn't very tasty, the gluten free bread, but it's now almost indistinguishable. You know, chaos, because of change, chaos is always bringing a flavor of panic or uh, we mean changing from fear all the time to less fear, or let's say like your analogy for the bread, wheat, flour, and then you're switching to almonds and other stuff, and you don't need the fear ingredient in your bread and the bread is good. There is always this transition, like the bread 20 years ago, the no wheat bread was bizarre and it was not tasty, but now it's amazing. So you will learn you will release fear, you will learn to live without fear. And this is like the next beautiful step for humanity. But, you know, it will take its time. Is there anything we can do? Always. There is always something you can do. Start with your own self. It's really about each individual acknowledging that they have this power of being the creator they have this power to choose. Do I choose to release fear in my experience today? And to do this, it's about being fully aware of what you are sensing now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, not even into hours or before we started chatting together. It's now. Be aware of there is no fear now. Fear is a construct. Fear is not, you know, being vigilant about a danger. Obviously, you live in a manifested world and there are some events, some things that are, you know, might be dangerous. But we're not speaking about that. We're speaking about the fear that is making people sick, the fear that is paralyzing humans. This, you don't need it. You absolutely don't need it. So starting with one individual, yourself, just noticing, sinking down in your body, breathing deep, 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 breathing very simply in your belly, connecting to your own inner source, your inner voice, however you want to call this stream of love, and just allow this to fill you. And in that space, observe where is fear and you will see it will be less and less present. Simply. It's an everyday practice. Yes. Actually, right before this call, I just did a client session, a deep inner voice session, and the person had an extremely wonderful connection. So I asked the inner voice about global warming and the fear that comes with that right now in our society. It seems to be stronger than ever. And the inner voice said, <laughs> it's advanced stress. <laughs> so it's the, the stress of the people that feel like they're becoming more advanced than other humans that are adding this stress to their life rather than the inner voice had encouraged them to love the planet, to love and care for it, but not to be stressed out by something like that. And the, the word they used was advanced stress. <laughs> but it was an interesting perspective I had never considered before that as people continue to evolve, so does fear 
in different forms, but to recognize and catch that that also is still fear just showing up in a new outfit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A new outfit. As people evolve, they sometimes they forget to release the mind. You know, we evolve, humans evolve, everybody, every consciousness even the collective, we're always evolving. Abraham Hicks is always evolving. All those energies that are not embodied are always evolving as well. But in the human form, the thing is, as you evolve, as you open up to consciousness, to whatever spirituality you want to reach to, the thing is, the mind is still part of the game. And the advanced stress, we, we love that way of saying things, is what happens when you hop along in your journey with the mind being stressed out. So it's about releasing the role of the mind as the ruler and allowing your inner self. You know, we spoke about a cannelloni another day. We might take the time sometime to explain to people. So the human is like a cannelloni and the feeling is the divine presence. And when you focus simply on the pasta part of yourself, this is where the advanced stress is because you don't know how you will evolve. You don't know what is going to be the next step. But when you focus inside of yourself, when you rely on that source, that ever-flowing light inside of you, the divine feeling in the human form, that's where you lose the stress completely. So it's simply about coming back, coming back, coming back to your center all the time. Yes. I have found this with my deep inner voice client sessions for the two hours. They stay out of their minds <laughs> and it only takes them a few minutes to get there of breathing, but they often have you know, done meditation for many years, but they never get as deep in all of the previous that as they do in that experience. And I think what helps them maybe is having someone to breathe with them. I'm not sure, but it's interesting. Is there any way that can help people tap into that depth? Because I, I notice, I see it. I see it in myself even. I've never even had the gift of someone holding space for me for two hours breathing with me so that I can check out in that way. But is there a way to help people get to that depth? Because they try. I mean, a lot of people here are listening that have meditated for many, many years in many different forms. Having someone to ground you, someone who will help ground the one who's seeking to connect with his inner voice, this is very helpful. So let's say Jess with Annie right now. Annie is not able to reach the collective without Jess unless she's almost asleep or in a different state of mind. She has tried many times and it's for now not possible for her. She needs an anchor. She needs someone who is conscious, someone who breathes with her, someone who grounds her. Even without knowing any grounding technique, that's not what we mean. We mean it's the presence. And so whenever you're noticing anyone that you're having a struggle connecting with your inner voice, seek out a friend who is willing to just be with you and the main ingredient here is that friend, that person, let that person be in a state of mind that accepts you fully where you are. 
And this is unconditional love. And this will take you wherever you want to go. Beautiful. One of the questions someone else had asked her as well, so I'm going to share, is about the impending doom for humanity and chaos. Lots of teachers are talking about that now. Where are we headed? Yeah, we we know someone has this question. We know a lot of humans, a lot of people have this question. But the thing is, do you really want to explore this? Do you want to lose your energy on that? Do you want to activate fear by knowing the potentials? Because let's say we are acting as a medium and we are reading the potentials around the aura of the human. We could see there is a potential for doom and dark times and all this. But is that where you want to aim? Is that where you want to use your energy? We could focus on the other potentials that we see, but somehow, and this is very interesting, that is not a question that is often asked. What is the light potential of humanity? You know, what is the opposite of that doom and gloom looming over people? What might be the the possibility of humanity when it realizes all its power, all its its creativity in the true meaning of the word, when when each and every human being realizes their own power, isn't that a potential that is far more interesting for you to focus on? It is to me. <laughs> I think for me, it helps to let go of my connection and attachment to, to humanity having to survive. So if I let go of the outcome, having to be that in the ultimate sense, because the T-Rexes didn't get to live and previous eras of humanity didn't get to live. So where do we think that we are that special? I think that's just a because we're in this form, the mind traps itself to survival mode. But if I connect to the divine cannelloni filling part of myself. I'm not worried about that going anywhere. So my pasta is going to die. Other pasta will die and grow. And I don't really care if the pasta dies or grows in the ultimate sense. Then if I let go of all of that and just say, I don't know what's going to happen with them. And if we mess ourselves up so much that we don't survive, then we don't survive in the human form. But that doesn't mean our essence stops existing. So then after that, I go, okay, well, if I can't control that and I don't have to have a, a horse in that game, then I go, well, what do I want to do now with my life right now? <laughs> what's worth doing? Yeah, I think that focusing on what's worth doing is the best option you have now. But we can address anyway the question if you want us to. Many teachers are speaking about that because they want their audience to realize that humans have a choice. So it's about choosing, let's say, You're at a fork in the road and you have two options, choose in fear, choose in consciousness and light. And um, the easiest one we have to say is choose fear because that's what people know, that they don't need to change anything. They just hop on the bus of fear and that's what they've been living on most of their lives. You know, fear doesn't always manifest in, oh my God, I'm fearful. Fear is also having limits. Fear is having a belief that stops you from doing what you want to do. You may not call that fear, but we do call this fear. So when you choose that fork in the road, this is the easiest, quote unquote, way of going your life. Because 
that is the way humanity knows and it requires no change. You just go forth in that avenue, which is really dark, not interesting, and where probably it will all collapse on itself or destruct itself at some point. But choosing the other avenue is about choosing to breathe in all the energy that is there for each and every one of you, is allowing the potential of new choices, is allowing the release of these beliefs without needing much technique, just choosing to release what is blocking you and choosing that fork in the road is a possibility. So the teachers, the, the speakers, those of faculties who are giving lectures about, you know, the possibility of what is what humanity can expect in the next few years, they want to bring consciousness to people and they want to shake them a little bit and show them it's time to choose for you. It's time to choose to come back to the creator, to come back to the ease and grace, to come back to not having the mind rule everything, but having the heart decide, trust this voice in you, and you have the choice, basically. Oh, I love that so much. It reminds me as you were describing it, our earlier example of flour and gluten-free bread, it's very easy right now, still is much easier to find non, like wheat bread, than gluten-free bread, but the choice is becoming more widely accessible and it's becoming less stigmatized to ask for it. And I'm not advocating for gluten <laughs> or gluten-free or anything, but that alternative choice is becoming more common and easy to find where it wasn't before, but it's still the default in this sense right now. The bread is a great example of something that was alternative and bizarre and marginalized and is becoming mainstream. And in a few decades, you will not even think about how hard this transition was. So we do have high hopes of this consciousness of allowing the creator in you becoming mainstream pretty soon. I sense it in a lot of facets of life. It seems like life in humanity in the last few years has become far less rigid, or that may also be my point of view <laughs> from my own perception shifting so much. And I know there are lots of things going on in the world governmentally that seem to indicate otherwise. But if I look at more than the government systems, I don't know, I, I, there seems to be such a variety of choice right now happening. There is. And then we want to point out, uh, because you are more open, you, your consciousness is open and, and allowing what is to be, there is far less obstacle in that realm of creation. So let's say you might take another Jess who is the same age, same form as you, and she has a different consciousness. She will have, let's say we're speaking multiple dimensions here, you know, like the potentials of life. You would be born and then you would have chosen a path of not conscious and another Jess would be born and chosen the path that you choose. So these two are having a very different experience. Same ingredients, but not the same fluid running in the middle of your heart. So when you open to consciousness, there are far less obstacles, far less hurdles 
everything is flowing more easily. So that's why you, Jess, are seeing life more open, more, you know, more with more potential. But let's take another human who's seeing with the blinders of fear. That person's life is very difficult. That person's life is unpleasant, probably is limited and is fearful. And, you know, this person might have anxiety, trouble sleeping and all this because the belief is there. I have someone in my family that's like that. And for me, I just allow them that experience. But I know this is one of the most popular questions I get while teaching is someone watching someone they love going through that, but then wanting to help them in some way. I don't think I'm uncaring for not trying to help. I just feel like I'm trying to let them have the experience and allow them to have the experience they're choosing as a sovereign creator. But what's your uh, answer for someone that's thinking, I know someone like that. It's my dad or my mom or my sister or brother. Mm. We know this is the most difficult position, let's say, for someone who is, don't want to say more evolved, but someone who is, well, we'll say it more evolved, simply. So to see a loved one in a path that is provoking wounds and suffering and all this, what we would suggest is just get out of their way. Do not try to evangelize. This is the worst thing possible. Just be yourself. Be the example radiate who you are, simply be the guide as the one embodying this consciousness. And when people ask you, how are you so still? How are you so quiet? How is your life so flowy? Then you can say, I'm doing this and that. I'm believing this and that. But unless they ask, do not try to guide them because they're not ready. And this might just scare them away. So this is, this is a very sensitive position. This is, we understand you want to help. It's the same thing as we, the collective, want to help, but we come only to those who call us. We don't come to those who don't call. And I didn't even know to call you collective, but I love you just the same. <laughs> and I'm so happy you've come. Yeah, we say it again. Anyone, everyone can call upon us and we will be there. How will they know when it's you versus their own inner voice or some other entity? You'll have to trust that this presence, this love is without rules, without judgment. It's of a higher consciousness. It's Christic energy. So it feels good. You will feel like loving blanket around your shoulders. You will feel your heart warmer, opening you will feel in trust and you will have to learn to dialogue with this presence. Invite it and ask for guidance. One word I want you to define, because I know a lot of people's ears probably perked up from conditioning, Christic energy. Can you define that? Of course, it's not relating to any religion. For us, it's a level of energy. Let's say you start from zero to 10, so let's say Christic would be 10. It's not relating to the Christ as Jesus. It's relating to an experience that any human being can live of opening true consciousness to the light of the world, to connecting to source and knowing 
that source is present in everything. So it's beyond any religion. It's a word that is familiar for this person that is allowing our voice now. So, but you have to know this person has no religious attachment at all. So Christic energy, we could replace this with enlightened energy. We could replace this with, we see a color, but it's hard to convey here. Yes, it is mainly an energy of openness, of knowingness that you are the creator and that you are all that is. Thank you. And actually, I have a question while we're on the subject of understanding when we're connecting to you versus something else. When I'm doing what I've started, and I gave you a sample of it <laughs> last week, uh, a preview, if you will, before airing the season with the inner voice that I connect to, what would you call that? Is that just my soul? Because I'm sure some people might be wondering about that as well. And I'm curious, too. What is what's coming through there? Are you meaning the difference from your inner voice to, let's say, an energy like the collective? Is that what you want to know? Well, remember the other day when I did what I shared with you that I would do on the show where I would let it, the faucet, I call it, come through and it just is a very loving energy and it doesn't feel nearly as cohesive in a mental form like you. It's more of a direct experience of sensorial nature in the heart, but it feels much deeper and bigger for me personally than my old inner voice dialoguing years ago. I was wondering if you remember from that experience when I shared it with you, if you could describe what was that, because as people are listening to the show right now, they are wondering, for a while I thought I heard a voice in my guides say that there is a Joe. And so a lot of people remember from seasons ago and they said, well, why aren't you calling it Joe? <laughs> I heard my inner voice say it was more than just Joe. But I'm curious on what your answer to that would be since it's now a part of the show as well. Mm -hmm. It's obviously more than a Joe. It's about starting as a human to be familiar with what's happening inside of you, with what you are tuning in also. So this energy that is with you, that is a very loving energy, that is an energy also of teaching, of leading people to a certain consciousness. It's a very generous energy, beautiful. It has to show up in a way that is familiar to you. It could show up in a way that, you know, would take the voice of your dear old grandma of, you know, any voice that would feel familiar. So you allow it inside. Consciousness has many shapes and form. So consciousness is coming to the human in a way that it'll, it is sure it'll be accepted. It'll be allowed in. And then the human can get used to that experience, to that vibration and as they commit to this and as they feel it's, it's good for them, it's, you know, it's bringing something very positive in their life, they open up to more and they're curious and they want to know more. And is this my soul? Is this something else? So we would say what you call your inner voice when you work with clients in sessions is so much more than simply the soul coloration of you, Jess. It's tapping from your soul, tapping into a wisdom that is much wider than that. And it's like the cylinders we spoke about earlier. It's narrowed, narrowed down, narrowed down to something that is palatable to the person you're speaking with, 
and for you to translate also because it doesn't speak words. It speaks packages of energy and it has to come forth in a manner that is understandable. So is that how this works in terms of the consciousness being individual and dual, like that we are many beings, but also the same essence at the same time? I've been thinking about the waterfalls going from larger to smaller, like you keep calling it the cups or the the cylinders. That's what we're seeing. Annie is seeing something that looks like a cylinder that is containing this spectrum of energy and it's being narrowed down to a smaller one and more focused into another one. And then it can reach her consciousness and then she can translate it. So yes, you're speaking about the waterfall. So the consciousness of one human being is at the same time, the consciousness of it all. But as long as your awareness is not open up to that concept, if we can say it's not a concept, it's a reality, but as long as the consciousness of the human being is not open to the possibility that you are all it, you won't. But it's one, absolutely one source, one consciousness. It's very interesting because then does that mean that I, okay, one of the things in the new age world is uh, past lives. So we always think of that as a chain of lives that one, we call them souls often as a term, have. So it's a chain of a ray of consciousness having a series of lives. But does that mean I was Hitler and I was the Dalai Lama and I was Buddha and I was everything? No, it, it does not mean that. What it means is that these embodiments in human forms were a part of that consciousness. They manifested a certain experience in the human realm, which we will use the word wisdom no matter what, from which the wisdom of the experience got to add to the one consciousness. And then as beings are evolving, they can choose from that consciousness. So no, you have not been Hitler and Dalai Lama, or I don't know what is your stream of pearls, we don't see this now. But it's not about saying that the experience of, let's say, a bad person, so to speak, or a good person is all in you, it's all available to you. Oh, the wisdom of each of those lifetimes is available to everyone. Oh, so the experiences were had by different individual consciousnesses, but the wisdom captured by them goes into the big database of humanity or of of consciousness, not humanity alone. Exactly. So it is a choice of creator to incarnate, to live a life, to have this or that experience, name it good, name it bad, whatever it is. And when we choose that, we do that from a realm that is not embodied. You know, we kind of hover over earth plane and we check what's next. I'm making this very simple here, but that's more than that a lot. But then as a creator, we know we will be incarnated in one life. We will have the free will to choose from these or, you know, those experiences. And we live the life. 
And as the lifetime is lived and is experienced, whatever wisdom comes from that is available in the one consciousness. So we don't have to have, I don't know, cancer or any of the things that others may have had to have the wisdom that came from it. Positive thoughts. Oh, okay, to go to World War II. So all of the souls that chose to incarnate as, let's say, the people in the concentration camps gave that lifetime to that experience to add to the wisdom of consciousness. And no one now needs to ever go through a concentration camp to have gained the wisdom of what was gained from that experience. Yes, it is a nice way of seeing this, and it is clear. What we want to say is if you come back to your own experience, let's say one human, even if in your stream, in your necklaces, in your necklace of you know lifetimes, even if you had not been part of World War II, you can tap into that, into the wisdom, into the awareness that came out of that. You don't need to live it if you are conscious about the potential that you can tap into the big pool of knowledge. And that's where we're heading. People are becoming more and more conscious that they, can, they don't need to suffer in order to have the wisdom. They can allow the wisdom to be. So that is the richness of choosing to be in the now moment. When a human, a person chooses to just be still, to feel what is, that person will have access to the whole pool of wisdom. And somehow in her cellular body, this person will know she doesn't need to suffer in order to have the awareness. It's a natural process. You don't need to go through a mind process to understand this. When you are in the present moment, this will become more and more obvious to you. Thank you. You just helped me explain such a big puzzle I've had in my mind going back and forth trying to wrap my concepts around individuation of soul, life and experience and evolution and the oneness that everybody (laughs) tries to speak to. What it came to me as you were saying that, I love this dynamic we have, because as you described, the visuals just keep coming to me. You use, and people don't know this as well as I do, this idea of a strand of pearls to represent the lifetimes in sequence, one onto the next. What I just saw as a way of describing that was a, a string of Christmas lights. So the string of Christmas lights, each light being a different lifetime, but the electricity going through each of the lights is the whole electricity that goes through any Christmas tree light, any string of lights anywhere or any other form of light bulbs. And that electricity is being added to by every light that's ever been lit anywhere on, I guess, this planet or the universe or multiverse. So each individual strand, so every lifetime on that strand had access to that electricity that was running through it. And that's the oneness, but the strands can still be individuated. Like there's a strand of Christmas lights in Portugal, and then there's a strand of Christmas lights in New York, and they're not the same Christmas strand, but both have electricity that taps them into all of it. That's a beautiful image. That's a beautiful analogy. And yes, be aware that the electricity, the power, the flow is the same thing as the filling of the cannelloni, is the same thing as the one consciousness. We, you, are all this thing. We are all this consciousness, but we are kind of drops of that consciousness sipping through the human. So it's like 
the electricity in one light bulb, you're right. It's a very, it's a beautiful image. You have to remember that the consciousness, the one huge pool of consciousness is available to all and everyone. It's about the awareness we have of this. And that's where we're of God or of whatever that old term that people used to use as God would be that pool of consciousness. And then no light shines above you, like my inner voice says, which means everyone can access the same electricity given their level of awareness and ability to tap into it. Absolutely. It's open to everyone. So no light shines above you. This is a beautiful image. You are the light. Yes. During a time where my mind was stressing about the IRS and some stuff my accountant had done in 2016 and then getting a visa for Australia. And so my mind said that the it doesn't think any humans are above me, but it felt like the IRS and the Australian government felt bigger than me. <laughs> so my mind had still had labels and limitations on those governing bodies that seemed so much bigger. And it said, no light shines above you. And that was where it was saying, those are just people too, but it feels big to the human form. It feels big to the human form. And if, if your consciousness in that moment when you're having that thought is identifying only to that perspective or that realm of consciousness, you will be in fear, you know, or you will feel under control. That is the perfect time to step back, to just stay in that presence that you know is inside of you and to be aware of the wider, the bigger perspective and then you will see things in a much different way so that's where you got your answer and so every light bulb every individual light bulb all over the world all the christmas bulbs that are happening and ever did they're all downloading and can access the electricity but they're also adding to the electricity through their experiences they're sending off the wisdom of what they've experienced Thank you so much. This makes so much sense because I get so confused and I'm not very interested in communes and oneness like Kumbaya, let's all think the same because that doesn't seem to be the way the channels ever speak to it. Like usually they want people to honor the individuation and sovereignty of individuals. But I was always wondering, well, how do you reconcile that with oneness? Well, we're glad that it served a purpose. Clarity is always good to feel and notice when you have clarity then the concept can leave your mind and you can just allow the experience to be in you. This is the big difference. Okay, so then, thank you. I love talking to you. Okay, this is huge for me. Oh, okay, with this perspective, then enlightenment, <laughs> with the Christmas light becoming enlightened, does it, the identity of its bulb in Portugal that's known as Joana, hey Joana, I know a Portuguese friend in Portugal, like when she becomes enlightened, let's say, in this lifetime, she knows herself as the oneness, the electricity, and she has obviously known herself as Joanna, the Christmas bulb living in Portugal right now. Does, they always hear about ego death and like Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about the death of the, the mind's concept of itself. Does that mean then we identify only as the electricity when enlightenment happens? Well, you do have to choose. Do you want to stay in the body or not? So most of the time, nowadays, people choose to stay in the body. Otherwise, you don't need to make that choice to who you identify. Joanna in Portugal, you know, if she wants to lift off, she can. So the thing is, when you choose to stay in the body, what is more prevalent is the knowledge that you are the one consciousness, you are the flow, you are the electricity, 
and that you do need a vehicle and the vehicle is let's say Joanna or Jess or whoever and so the vehicle serves you but it is used in a much different way that's why we say these people who are fully embodied they use their body in a different way they become lighter so to speak there is more space between the atoms of it all there is the awareness of consciousness makes that so the needs of the human body becomes they become very different and what in the wisdom that is yoga it's not about coming to a place where you have no more desire it's becoming the knowledge the awareness that you don't need anything and that will everything will come to you when needed so this is a misconception about what is the non-desire state of being of someone who is evolved remember that everything that you need will come to you and that's it so obviously there is going to be a different perception of the body the vehicle the the personality the identity because it will be far less present but it will still be of use because the person is choosing to be in the manifested world. So it does need a body. Thank you. So here's a question. I've spent some time with some very wise, borderline, if not enlightened people, personally, like in their lives, in their homes for many days at a time. What I noticed about them, and maybe they're just in the process of evolution, so maybe it's not quite the black and white experience, for example, Eckhart Tolle or Byron Katie had. I haven't spent days or weeks in their lives, so I don't know their ins and outs of personality, you know, when they're driving the car and doing those sorts of things. But what I noticed about the two or three people I'm speaking about in my mind directly, they're extremely wise they can channel easily they you know have so much insight but then i still notice elements of their humanness like very human and i'm just thinking like one of them you know had a previous belief around their intelligence not being quite as strong and it's like sometimes there are pieces of that or finances or time or money and i'm just thinking wait you're enlightened shouldn't that be gone what's up with that well enlightenment is it's not a process, it's a state of being. But as long as the consciousness is staying in a human body, we do have to mention that that human body may have roots still implanted in the conditionings. So probably that person has changed tremendously since the time this person wasn't enlightened. But there may be some scars, maybe some leftovers of the human consciousness, the human conditioning, uh, let's say the conditioned human awareness. So this might be a coloration that is still present. But notice what we ask you to notice when you are with that type of person is how how um, accepting they are about their own flaws, how, how compassionate they are about what they notice is so human about their experience. And they can laugh about that fear or this uh, being so spacey or losing everything all the time because they're such in a different space. 
And so notice the difference is the compassion they have for their humanity. Beautiful. That explains things too. It makes so much sense now and also goes to what I've always kind of previously loved, then disregarded, <laughs> now can come back to understanding deeper. Abraham always says when people ask about enlightenment, they say it's a state of being. It's not a college degree that once you have it, you always have it. They say you're either in it or you're not. So when I look back to these people, if I think about it, there are moments where their humanity flashes through, and you're right, with lots of compassion and love for that part of themselves. But when they're in the state of enlightenment, it's also very dramatic and striking and decidedly different state of being than when I notice their human character come out a bit. You have to remember for these people, they made a choice to stay in the body to be guides. They don't need to be in the body. So what they are going through, what we could call difficulties of being still in a human body and having still some roots rooted in their conditionings is by choice of helping others. So it's about remembering they don't need to be here. They could have chosen another plane, which would have been far less difficult to hold. So it's, we don't say it's an effort, but we say it's a choice and it's a beautiful one. And the compassion that it can radiate is something that is so healing for everyone that gets close to them. Thank you so much. Is there anything else today you'd like to share in our afternoon tea? Yeah, we would like to just close this wonderful conversation by saying thank you, thank you, thank you of having us here because we feel the need to connect with people and we feel the need to share this light. And so the opportunity is amazing and we're just filled with gratitude. I feel so too. I feel so as I was reflecting as we were speaking about this together. I'm so glad I took the time to, to step away from the show and to really hold for a place where it feels this good and it feels this important and it feels this wise to bring this to the world with you and through what I'm also trying out and experimenting with on my own, to bring this now to humanity feels so appropriate. And I'm so glad we've moved forward in this important way, or at least to me, it feels so good. It is good for all of us. It is good for Annie. It is good for us. It's good for you. And we just want to reiterate that anyone who wants to experiment this, just extend the invitation to light, to this beautiful energy. Whatever the name, do not, do not stop yourself. If the name you receive is different, it's different. Just feel the energy in your heart and you will know. And there's no limitation to this. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you know anyone that might enjoy this, feel free to share it with them. And if you want to see what I'm up to on Instagram, you can find me at Jess C as in Cookie Lively. Until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>